Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And it is a new year. I'm sure you might have had a little bit too much turkey or maybe some Christmas pud. And you're thinking, how do I get back into ship shape for 2024? Well, there's nobody better to ask that than the editor of Modern Athlete, Sean Faulkner. Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. And did you have a bit too much turkey, Sean? <laughs> Firstly, hello, Louis, and uh, hello to the team. Um, it's great to be back. Uh, no, actually, we don't do turkey in my family. We're very much uh, the, the gammon type of um, um, family. So I had a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're into 2024. I mean, we're already a month into the year, but uh, it must be another exciting year ahead we'll talk about how busy you've been in a minute but an exciting year ahead one that i'm sure you're looking forward to oh absolutely so i mean let's just take a step back for a second and because we can't ignore the fact the the running industry is still in a semi-recovery phase after the COVID pandemic. There were literally some road races and events that only came back last year and you know, so there's some clubs, there's some sponsors, there's some athletes, there's some organizations that are still in that recovery phase. And as a media publication in that space, you know, we're still sort of, you know, counting the costs and picking up the pieces and rebuilding. That said, all the events are pretty much back now. The excitement is building and the levels of running in this country are just absolutely flying in, in an upwards trajectory. So it's incredibly exciting. And now we've got the Olympics to look forward to this year as well. Yeah, you, you, as I say, the, as the old saying goes, you took the words right out of my mouth. 2024, an Olympic year. Um, and it's quite weird because it's only been three years since the last Olympics because, of course, uh, of, of COVID. So is it an advantage or a disadvantage to athletes? I don't know. I think it's, it's personal to each individual athlete. You know, some of them will benefit, some won't. The, uh, the fact that the Olympics were pushed back a year may have meant some people uh, who were coming towards the end of their careers couldn't go. It may also have meant that some youngsters who were still boiling under the, the, the proverbial qualification level ended up making it. So I think there's always a, uh, some win, some lose in a situation like that. Um, I also think that by postponing the Olympics, it gave athletes a bit more time to get back into competition and get back to competitive levels. So it was get good from that perspective. So, yeah, there's always going to be somebody that's, uh, that um, 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 suffers. But in general, I think it was a good thing. Now, you've had a marathon, haven't you? December, January, a couple of double mags. You've got to get out last year, New Year. Uh, must have been hectic for you. Yeah, so we um, finished up another mag um, just um, before New Year's. I, I, did, I would have liked to have brought it out a little bit earlier, but, you know, the end of year crunch with various things needing to be finished um, caught up with me a bit. So it ended up being a little bit later than planned, but I still got it out. Um, and um, we're literally busy putting another one to bed now. So we're going to be publishing it at the end of this week. So it has been quite a busy period. No, no real rest for us over the Christmas New Year period. So before the new one comes out, tell us what's in the current one, and then we'll talk about what's in the new one. Okay. So the one that we're, uh, I, I call it edition number 164, you know, the December-January edition. Some of the highlights, we, we had a lovely piece written by Lee Necker of her experience running the 100-kilometer race at the UTCT. That's the Ultra Trail Cape Town, a fabulous event that takes place in the Mother City uh, around about November, December each year. 
which has a 160 kilometer, 100 miler, 100k, and three or four other shorter distance races and brings some incredible international runners to South African shores. So her piece of, of her experience, plus we did a coverage of the race with some stunning photographs. The Running Man, who's ever popular, we've got two pieces by him in that edition about his Poch of Struam marathon, as well as his uh, fun experience at the Ilovo 15, which uh, happens in Durban each year. And it's like a pre-Christmas race where everybody gets dressed up and the clubs run with a float, which obviously normally includes a built-in bar and copious amounts of beer. So, <laughs> you know, it's a tough life, but somebody has to do it. We did coverage of the Robben Island Memorial Race, a new race that was uh, launched end of last year to um, taking several hundred runners out to the island and doing a roughly a 10k race and just this incredible step back in time kind of historic run all to commemorate uh, Nelson Mandela and Robert Sabukwe so they've got some lovely pictures for them from that as well a nice article from Ella Mayring um, she, as she puts it she had to put on her big gold panties in 2023 because she stepped up to the comrades and the interesting thing about her it's a lovely story because She's an incredibly young-looking young lady. So even though she's in her 20s, most people think that she's still a teenager. So she gets the weirdest looks and reactions from people whenever she goes somewhere. And when she went to register for comrades, they didn't want to give her a race number until she showed her ID. So, oh, just, you know, it's just these kinds of the stories that I love telling in the magazine and just having a bit of fun with. So, yeah, that was the, the that's just a, just a couple of the highlights of a 96-page bumper edition we brought out just before New Year's. Okay, so that 2023 in bank, if you like, or in the bag. Yes. 2024, firstly, what can we expect in the next edition of Modern Athlete? So I'm still working on it. Um, um, it's not finished, and the next couple of days we'll wrap up this, but we are starting a new Athlete of the Year um, endeavor. I'm going to call it that. Not a campaign, not a project. I'm going to call it an endeavor for now. Because this will be a first step and we're going to build it up into something even bigger in, in years to come with more participation and more input from more people on a panel and members of the running community. But for now, we've asked a few um, real experts in the field to give us their nominees for road, for track and field and for trail. And uh, we're going to sort of announce all the nominees in the, in the different categories in this edition. And then in the next edition, we're going to then um, announce the, the winners that we've selected and uh, uh, hopefully do some Q&As with them. The thing I find interesting um, just on this topic before I speak about other aspects of the magazine is that Athletic South Africa held their uh, annual Athlete of the Year awards um, in the last week or two. And I want to, first of all, applaud ASA for doing awards. It's the first time in years they've done anything like this. And that's a step in the right direction. But I found it disappointing that the awards, most of the um, Athlete of the Year awards, youngsters and emerging athletes are all track and field athletes. And there's one cross-country athlete in the middle of all of that. And then they've given platinum awards uh, to two roadrunners, and that's uh, Tete Dijani and uh, Fad Bustain. And it, to me, it feels like ASA's focus is track and field, and we're just going to throw in an extra award to recognize a couple of road athletes uh, because otherwise we're not really sort of, you know, covering all the bases. I think that could be done better. And I'd like to think that modern athlete is on the way to doing that better. We're not just doing a, one road athlete of the year, men and women, one track and field athlete, road and uh, men, men and women, and one trail athlete of the year, men and women. 
we are literally breaking each of the three disciplines into at least three different categories each because you are not comparing apples with apples. It's apples and oranges and tomatoes and pineapples and peaches and apricots and you name it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we are looking at that. And then in terms of other stuff in the magazine to look forward to, I um, had some fun this, this, this edition delving into my statistical uh, <laughs> penchant. I went and looked at the dream mile the history of the sub four mile, as as we as we call it, in terms of South Africa, from De Villiers Lamprecht right through to Johan Cornier's essay record. How many South Africans have done it? How many times they've done it? Uh, you name it. I literally got some incredible statistics from a renowned statistician, Real Hamann, and I unpacked them and had some fun with them. So that's something to look forward to. Um, also got other articles. With, oh, one on Barry Holland. Uh, I we, we were sent a piece by one of our regular contributors, Celeste Ferreira. And uh, she did an interview with him and sort of delved into some of his, his, his mindset and what makes him tick. So, you know, featuring that, as well as uh, Juliana Ambrosi, a Gauteng uh, trail runner who came down to Cape Town and took on the 13 Peaks Challenge. So uh, that's the, the challenge designed by Ryan Sands, where you literally summit the uh, 13 peaks in a series in a basically circular route all along the, the, the peninsula. So something interesting to read there as well. How do you differentiate? Um, and and I'm the first one to admit that my first thought process when it comes to running, obviously, is track field Olympics. And then I know the comrades and I know the total sports two oceans marathon and uh, the city to city, maybe. Unless you're actually involved in participating in the sport, you don't really know. I mean, now I do because you and I chat regularly. How many other events there are? around the country at any given time. Well, this is exactly the problem and why I highlight the fact that the ASA awards to me are a step in the right direction. But in my humble opinion, and I hate to sound overly critical, but it misses the, misses the mark badly. ASA has traditionally focused on track and field as their number one priority with cross country and road um, then coming in second and third. And some will debate which one actually is second or third. And meanwhile, the vast majority of people who are licensed athletes in this country are roadrunners. The, the percentage of people that take part in track and field is tiny by comparison. The mass participation lies in road running. Then another aspect of that is that in this country, traditionally, for various reasons, including televised coverage and the isolation years when South Africa was excluded from world sport, et cetera, et cetera, means that the Comrades Marathon and to just a slightly lesser extent, the Two Oceans Marathon are the two focal events that most of the country thinks of when they talk about road running. And they forget about the, the, the incredible talent we have and the incredible events we have at the shorter distances, like the Absa Run Your City series races, which are now 10 kilometer races in five cities. The Spa Women's um, Series and Grand Prix, which is in sometimes six cities. And I think they've got a couple of smaller ones in, I think it's eight races in total, if my memory serves which are bringing world-class athletes onto the roads, running world-class times. And uh, these, these are being televised and they are getting media coverage, but they simply will never be quite the same as the comrades in the eyes of the public. So, uh, you know, ASA's awards, it's mostly track and field athletes and, and a cross-country athlete. And then they've thrown in the comrades and two oceans um, notables. And of course, Gerda Stein is not just a Comrades winner and record holder and Two Oceans winner and record holder, but she's also the SA Marathon record holder, and, um, um, having beaten that for the uh, second time um, last year. 
So yes, they are covering the bases. But where are the 10K runners and the half marathon runners that last year absolutely blew our minds? Last year, we had all of those 10K runners running sub-27s on home soil. I mean, Cabello, um, uh, Muladzi, and Tabang Mosiako, who also um, ran a sub-one-hour half marathon. And these guys did well at World Champs as well. You know, those guys deserve recognition. But the, it, And maybe they were in contention for the ASA Awards, but we don't see that. We just see, oh, look, Ferda and Tete Dejana get it again. So it looks like comrades and track and field. So... I think that by doing more um, more inclusive awards, we can try and start addressing that issue. You mentioned something that um, I think people don't re- realize. Uh, licensed runners. It's like I go on the coast, I go on holiday, go down the road, I buy myself a 20-buck fishing rod and a couple of hooks, and I throw my rod in the water, and I think I can just fish. But I actually should have a license to do this. Um Tell us a bit more about licensed runners and the process that runners need to go through to become licensed. Okay, it's a very good question. And there are a lot of people that don't understand this, even people in the running community that sometimes don't know all the ins and outs. And, and I, just a disclaimer, I don't know all the rules off the top of my head and all the details, but I've got the gist of it. When you um, start doing road races, if you are an unlicensed athlete and you are not a member of a club, you rock up at a race, and you pay your entry fee, and they will tell you uh, you need a temporary license number. And that you uh, invariably, you pin your race number on the front and your temporary number on the back if the race prints their own race numbers, or you just wear the temporary license number. That means you have bought your, sort of say, your day license for that race. It also means you are covered by the insurance policy that ASA has, um, has organized, which means that in the event of you um, being injured uh, during that race, uh, be it struck by a car or you turn an ankle by standing in a pothole, whatever, you actually do have insurance coverage. If you weren't licensed, you wouldn't be officially covered and uh, you'd be running at your own risk. You do run races at your own risk anyway. Obviously, you have to sign a dis- the clearance letter when you when you enter, but nevertheless, you're covered by insurance. When you join a club, you get a permanent license for the year. So it's valid from January to December or from February to February, depending on when the licenses get printed and become available. That means you don't have to buy a license every time you race. I always say to people, if you're going to run one race a year, like, for example, you do the Two Oceans Half Marathon, well, then great, just get a temporary license. What's the point of buying um, a license number and joining a club if you're running one race? But the second you start doing five or six races, that one license fee will be uh, cheaper than buying six temporary licenses and adding up the, um, the amount of money as to use a, a, a spitball kind of example. Um, also, the, the cost of joining the club and buying club kit is a one-off expense um, in terms of the kit. And the club fees plus your license will be um, cheaper than constantly paying for temporary licenses. So it does pay in that respect if you are going to become a regular runner. And just as you say, like you have to be registered uh, and licensed to go fishing or to die for triathlon battling. Same thing as a runner, yeah. you be licensed. Right. Let's look forward to uh, 2024 if we can. We've already mentioned it's an Olympic year. Uh, let's talk about road running, if we may, because there's, of course, and again, I highlighted the Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon. Uh, there's the Comrades Marathon this year. Last year, rather interesting controversy around the race. Um your thoughts and other big events for 2024 that you should be looking out for? When I look at a calendar, 
because I do commentary work at, at, at a number of events around the country, my first stop is to pencil in all of my regular commentary dates. And I'm very fortunate that that includes some of the biggest races on the calendar. So the, the, the Total Sports 2 versions is one of the first ones I put in. Um, there I am the, the actual head commentator and coordinator of the commentary team. Then there's the EFSA Run Your City um, series races and all five of them. And I fly around the country doing those as part of the team. And I work at, at the Spa Women's Race in Cape Town. Some of the other big ones, the Total Sports Women's Races, which originally were all on, all on the 9th of August. So there was a race in Cape Town and Joburg and Durban all on the same day. But the organizers have decided to change that. Um, and this year, they've got the Durban race on the 4th of August, which is a Sunday. Then the Friday, the public holiday is the, is the Cape Town race. And the following Saturday, um, the 17th, is the Joburg race. So I'll be going to the Durban and Joburg ones and doing commentary there. Um, and I'll get to take the day off on Women's Day for a change, <laughs> which is nice. And, you know, so um, that's how I sort of plan my year. And then I also then try to structure my deadlines for my magazine around some of the big ones, not all of them, but some of them. So, if, you know, you try to bring out a magazine either just before Two Oceans so you can build up or use that kind of build up of excitement and do some race build up and coverage. And we are an, an official media partner of that particular event. And of course, you want to bring out a magazine after Two Oceans doing coverage of the race, but you don't want your magazine to come out the day after Two Oceans, which means there's no time to do coverage. So a week or two after Two Oceans, you can bring out another one so you can get all the pictures and the interviews and the stories. So you know, the calendar does really affect a, a, a great deal of what we do. And of course, Comrades, which for many, many years during my career as a journalist was on the 16th on, on Youth Day, and it was then moved this year. It's the 9th of June on the Sunday. So, you know, that's always a big one that everybody looks forward to and talks about and we write about and we do build up to. So, yeah, it's an exciting year. There's so many events. I mean, um, just to answer your other question from earlier about the, how many races there are in the country, I mean, there's, there's something like 800-odd races on the calendar across all the different provinces. There are so many races. It's almost impossible to keep up with them these days. If this was a, a video podcast, you would have seen a smile on my face when you mentioned um, you remember the comrades from being the 16th of June. I remember the comrades from being the 31st of May. I mean, that really does give my age away, doesn't it? Okay, um, a magazine like yours, and as you mentioned, 800-odd races uh, around uh, the country. I know you work extremely hard, but you don't do all this by yourself. You've got contributors. You've got other people that help you. Tell us about those. Sure, absolutely. Um there have been some editions of this magazine where I've bitten off way too much for myself to chew. And I've sort of penciled in, oh, I'm going to do this feature, that feature, this feature, this one, this one, and this one, and this one. And then I suddenly realized there's not a chance in hell I'm going to make find the time to do so many feature articles. And the problem is so many articles that one can write because there's so many great stories out there from elites to semi-elites and age category contenders through to the average Joes and the uh, people coming back from illness or alcoholism you know there's just so many inspiring stories so i i, I do lean on some some regular co um, contributors in track and field as well as road running manfred seidler is is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to so many years of covering the sport and he knows the athletes so he's got great relationships so you can chat to them and get stories I've got the running man, Stuart man. We have permission to use his blogs in the magazine about his marathon escapades as he travels all around the country running every marathon he can find. I've got Ril Haman, I mentioned earlier, the statistician. And 
he has given me permission to, to to lift extracts from his weekly results mailers, which really means I can put some interesting stats and facts into the magazine. And, uh, you know, then there's other contributors, some of whom are sort of more fun contributors. Uh, Carla Farina, who writes her trail column, it's called Trail Misadventures. And I think that pretty much um, gives you an indication of what the gist of that column is often about. She does really have this um, knack of getting lost or running uh, up to a cliff and then realizing I can't go any further. <laughs> so it's always entertaining. So, yeah. yes, contributors. And then in terms of um, one-off contributors, uh, some people just literally mail up and say, hey, I've written this article. Um, would you like to use it? And I say, I'd love to, please. The more, the merrier, because I love giving a voice to uh, the running community. Uh, for example, in the, in, the, in the current edition that's still live at the moment, we've got Gilom uh, Smith, who's uh, the, the, the running pastor, as they call him. He's a Ngiakak predicant from, from the northern suburbs of Cape Town, although he's now gone into academia. Uh, and But just a salt-of-the-earth person with a bubbly sense of humor and just a wonderful outlook on life. And as he, he writes in, his, in, his, in the article he did for us in this last edition, I'm big, I'm not built like a runner, I'm really, really slow, but I enjoy my running. So, you know, it's just nice having different voices in, in the magazine. Okay, so now 2024, we've touched on the long and the ultra marathons, track and field and the Olympics. We've obviously got two of the most incredible female runners in our country that seem to continually uh, dominate the headlines, in particular in Gerdestein and Yvette van Sel, which men can maybe cause some form of an upset i mean i don't think we ever expected to have an olympic champion and we did the marathon is it possible realistically speaking you don't think that any man from south africa is likely to go to the olympics this year and 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 medal um and i say that not because i doubt the talent of the runners in this country it's just that they they're not consistently doing it on the world stage um in the big city marathons and the uh, the Abbott's majors, um, but do they have the potential to do it? Absolutely. And Stephen McCorker has been up there and there, you know, near there at World Champs in I think it was 2019 in Doha. He was very close to the medals, but you know he is starting to come to the sort of the the later years of his career, and whether or not he can still perform at that at that level, that remains to be seen. Personally, I think he can. But I wouldn't put too much pressure on him and then have unrealistic expectations. In terms of other marathoners in this country, there's no one that's literally putting their hand up right this minute going, I can go to Paris and win it based on their times and performances. But can they surprise us? Absolutely. And wouldn't it be fantastic if we could have another story like... Um, Josiah Tagwani at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, and he just seemingly coming from nowhere and becoming a, a, an Olympic champion. So that's speaking specifically about the marathon. The Olympics, when it comes to athletics sports, I mean, there's far more focus on the track and field events. And of course, Wade Funny Cat can still be there. Some people will say he's past his best. Some will say that the knee injury has, he might never get back to where he was when he um, broke the world record and won world champs and Olympics in 2016, 2017. I don't know. I think, um, I think if there's enough will uh, there, he can and compete on the world stage and maybe he can do something again. But I don't like placing pressure on athletes. I don't like 
talking about, well, we've got um, six possible medals. The politicians do that because that's what they need to do. The the officials in the sport need to talk about a medal contenders. For me, I prefer focusing on patriotism and focusing on the fact that the athletes who get to the to the world champs and Olympics, it's a phenomenal achievement just to be there. Now, go out there and enjoy yourselves. And the better you do, the more we're going to cheer for you. But I don't want to put pressure on them. I think it's about they must go out and do their best. And I won't put pressure on you and ask you what's going to be in the February or March edition of uh, your mag. Thank That's you, as always. That's definitely a case of asking me next week. <laughs> Sean Faulkner, always lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. And we will chat through the course of the year. Thank you so much. And just a last reminder, people can subscribe to the magazine at www.modernathlete.co.za. It's a free digital magazine. Sign up. We'll send it to you. And on that note, we end tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As always, be nice to each other. Until next time. Bye for now.